0: To the finest crew in Starfleet, engage. Captain Benjamin Federation Deep Space Nine. Welcome to the greatest generation, Deep Space Nine. It's a Star Trek podcast by a couple of guys who are a little bit embarrassed to have a Star Trek podcast. I'm Ben Harrison. I'm
1: Adam Pranica. How you doing, Adam?
0: We haven't really talked about your move much no, on we, this show. We've been, we've been talking about it on Greatest Discovery since mm-hmm. that show tends to be a little bit more timely. Right. But you've moved down to Los Angeles amidst the, the pandemic that is gripping the world. So not I, able to explore your new neighborhood much.
1: My timing has always been impeccable. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a weird time to have done this for sure. Yeah. But luckily, it's given us plenty to do indoors, you know, yeah, unpacking is got... a is a time consuming indoor project.
0: <laughs> yeah. And you've got nothing but time for that.
1: Yeah. I'm I am delighted that, uh, you know, the the promise of us doing the show together was quickly extinguished <laughs> once I moved to L.A. and we're doing it like we always have yeah. remotely.
0: Yeah. This is this is our our natural habitat, though we we know how to do this. It's right, it's right and good. I have not ventured out to the post office recently because I'm trying to limit how much leaving the house I'm doing. That's smart. But you have some some pre pandemic mail there. I'm led to believe.
1: I do. Uh, I've <laughs> I found a package that we have not opened on the show, and I thought I would do it for us right now.
0: That sounds great. Captain,
1: I'm sorry to disturb you. I'm receiving a code 47. Verify. It is code 47, sir. Start lead emergency frequency. Captain's eyes only. This is a squishy package from Curtis in Santa Cruz, California. Hey, hello like Santa
0: Cruz. It's
1: like a little throw pillow. I I almost hate to open it.
0: <laughs> Just use it as an accent pillow and on your couch.
1: I want to apologize to Curtis, because I imagine he sent this to us a long, long time ago. And inside, we have got a letter and a couple of t-shirts. Four t-shirts. Wow. Here's the letter. To Quark. For information leading to the arrest of noted arms dealer Haggath, on or about stardate 50182 and preventing the deaths... Of 28 million sentient beings on Palomar we award you the enclosed tokens of the Federation's esteem (laughs) and at the bottom it says United Federation of Planets Bureau of Awards and recognition oh wow is this on like official letterhead oh and then there's a there's another letter in here Uh it's dated 111 of this year. Wow. Sorry, Curtis. <laughs> here's we've, a, been, we've been busy. <laughs> here's, here's what's on that. Uh, it says, Dear Ben and Adam, Somehow, these got delivered to me, but I thought you could make much better use of them. Best wishes for podcast success in 2020. P.S. I know nothing bad will happen this year. Lo, <laughs> love Curtis. So. Wow.
0: Curtis, you really got that one wrong.
1: <laughs> All right. Uh, so... These all look to be the same shirt, so I am going to open up one of them. Uh, there are there are two larges and two extra larges. Wow! I mean, I understand the assumption, Curtis. And uh, oh, it looks like uh, it looks like our logo was appropriated for this. <laughs> the, the shirt says, "I saved twenty-eight million lives," and all I got was this lousy T-shirt. Hey, that's great! <laughs> I love the reference. Wow! How about how about Quark choosing, choosing the path of not murdering twenty-eight million people and uh, and all you of the credit that goes with it? Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, this is a shirt, unfortunately, Curtis. That uh, <laughs> I don't know that I could wear in public, <laughs> in these <laughs> in these trying times. This may be the most inappropriate shirt I could wear at the moment. <laughs> There was a uh,
0: in the late '90s a store in downtown Berkeley that sh- sold T-shirts t- with jokes on them. And uh, was it a sh-
1: was, it, was it a store called Crazy Shirts, which is a, a name of a store you often see in a tourist town? It was called T-Shirt Orgy, and uh, <laughs> even better. Yeah, it was it was. Um,
0: it was, you know, like a buy a poster of Farrah Fawcett and a t-shirt with a joke on it kind of place. Mm. And at some point I was there with like a friend and and, uh, and they insisted that I buy this shirt that l- was made to look like a Nike t-shirt. but And it said, just do it. But it showed a guy jumping off of a building. <laughs> and I happened to wear that shirt to school on 9-11.
1: <laughs> on the actual 9-11?
0: Yeah. And it was like one of the most uncomfortable feelings I've ever had. <laughs> because, uh, is... because of how off uh, off note, like, like it was already a distasteful t-shirt, and <laughs> on that particular day maybe the most distasteful
1: t-shirt. I mean, sometimes your, your tangents just conclude in a like oh that's really interesting and fun <laughs> <laughs> that might have been your best tangential story you've ever told on the show
0: wow <laughs>
1: or at least my favorite
0: yeah I, th- I think somebody like lent me something to put over it or, or something to wear instead of it for the rest of the day and then it, it never came out again i don't know i don't even know what happened to that shirt
1: wow <laughs> that is incredible. <laughs> is that the most embarrassed you've ever been in public wearing an unsuitable garment? I did, I is mean, that it? That's that's hard to beat. That could be.
0: That could be it. it it's I. I haven't thought about that in years. I, it's something I don't often think about. I think I've suppressed the memory. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Oh, I love that! Just my, the the image of you walking around with your arms crossed the entire day.
0: Yeah, made my French teacher cry. Your shirt? Yeah. Oh man. I mean, nerves were frayed that day. Obviously, Sakura I'm not trying to make blue. Curtis
1: feel bad. Yeah, you, you know what you did? You made him feel better because uh, his shirt isn't as bad as that one.
0: Yeah, that's that's uh that's what I was going for.
1: Wow. <laughs> I think many people who watched today's episode might have felt the same way about it in that and <laughs> that you follow up some real bangers in season 6. Uh-huh. You can't you can't really hate it. It's not as bad as many other DS9 episodes, but <laughs> I don't know, man. Why don't we just get into it? Let's get into we'll it. We'll talk our way through
0: it. It's season 6, episode 8, Resurrection. <laughs>
1: how incredible this is <laughs> no of course you don't we open the show with uh with kira and dax doing a little dish gossiping about some men including captain bodette of the uss motel 6 being floated as a possible date candidate for a, a dinner party later. Captain Baudet has a transparent skull. Seriously, people. TMI. You you love to hear Captain
0: Bodet being brought up, even even here in season six, a a throwaway line. Like I, I think that that's one of the strengths of this of Deep Space Nine and of the Greatest Generation is yeah. that a throwaway line can become a runner for the rest of the show.
1: I like that with every reference there is an additional detail. About how terrifying he looks, <laughs> and 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 all of those add up to the main reason why we will never see him on this show. Yeah. The... <laughs> At this point, he just looks like Pizza the Hut to me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, Dax and Kira uh, need to brainstorm a date for Kira to bring to a uh, a dinner party that Dax is throwing.
1: And uh, they just can't come up with someone. It's just, who could Kira be dating? No one's good enough for Kira, that's my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> you would like to try for it. In the end that's sort of where she rests at the end of the episode. Maybe she's just gonna go stag.
0: Hmm. Yeah, they get on a Elevator to Ops, and this question is answered fairly quickly uh, upon their arrival in Ops. Um, they they briefly touch on the idea of it being Odo. Uh, Mr. <laughs> but that's uh, still too hot of a potato. Um, but they get to Ops, and... Um,
1: I never you know. know what to bring to these things. <laughs> I,
0: I brought a six-pack of beer, but... It's not really beer, it's just part of me that I made look like a six-pack of beer. And now I'm embarrassed that I don't actually have any beer to serve. I don't want you to drink me.
1: One time I brought a bouquet of flowers, and I just ended up resting my arm in the middle of the table the entire evening. (laughs) (laughs) Could
0: you drink some of Odo? And when it passed out of you, could it reintegrate with him? I mean, that's... If you did the blood test on Odo and and it went gold, could you knock that back like a shot and then have it be available to him to be part of his body again later?
1: I wonder if he could summon that separate piece of himself through you. Oh. <laughs> Either in a motility enhancement like like it just zooms through you and in the way that anything would or if he could withdraw it from you like through your chest or your esophagus and if it could just shoot out in front of you
0: if it goes through your butthole then dr odo is definitely the person you want to see if you've got a uh, constipation issue right
1: because he could
0: just get you get you moving again
1: yeah that's he's he's like castor oil (laughs) (laughs) you could sell odo in a in a health food store (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Milk of Magnesia, eat your heart out. <laughs> Welcome to the tummy temple. <laughs> Don't mind the smell. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. it would be very popular in uh, parts of Beverly Hills, I, I imagine. Sure, yeah. Have you ever had a shapeshifter colonic?
1: <laughs> I'm, I'm sure it would feel incredible. <laughs> Uh, they get
0: some uh, some indications on the instruments up in Ops that uh, somebody is attempting to beam in. No ships are in range to beam in, which kind of defies the establishing shot of the station that we saw at the beginning of the episode, <laughs> which showed lots of ships around the station.
1: Yeah, that is unusual.
0: A little bit of a mismatch between the visuals and the dialogue. But uh, sure enough, somebody materializes on the platform and they're kind of like hunched over facing the wrong way like a preteen dancer about to uh, participate in a talent show
1: Sometimes I doubt your commitment to sparkle motion I thought this person was in the terminator crouch you know complete <laughs> with the the static and and lightning of the beam in Yeah It felt very terminator to me
0: But unlike the terminator this person has a gun Right Adam it's Vagrant Yeah. <laughs>
1: He's got a gun, you guys. <laughs> you know what? Maybe the most horrifying part of seeing Vagrant Burial here uh, holding a disruptor is that he's showing emotion.
0: Yeah. <laughs> a very different uh, type of character for Philip Englund. I mean, we know everybody from the Mirror Universe is sort of the opposite of their Prime Universe counterpart. So it would stand to reason that Mirror Mirror Burial would be a passionate and somewhat textured character
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah and uh in contravention of every other time we've ever seen him we get a interesting version of barial to theme <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: This is one of these things that we deal with with the, the mirror universe: is that people that are dead on one side are not necessarily dead on the other. Uh-huh. Uh huh. We've dealt with that with Cisco's wife. We've dealt with that uh, with Odo. Now we're going to deal with it uh, with uh, Kira's. It's like it, it's kind of a tropey episode premise, right? Oh yeah. But a trope that is like native to Deep Space Nine specifically they 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 are doing they're doing the what if you met somebody that was dead on the other side but in this universe
1: I really like the order like we've talked a lot about uh album sequencing as it relates to a season I really like the order that this episode is coming in yeah <laughs> because I could not wipe the smile off of my face watching this entire <laughs> thing play out I love that that vagrant burial like as soon as he shows up on the station is doing that thing where he asks for a helicopter to meet him on the roof <laughs> and, like, the bag of money. <laughs> like, yeah. what kind of fucked up
0: heist is this? They've had enough heists on Deep Space Nine that it seems like they've actually put some security measures in place to deal with it. Uh-huh. Because uh, cause when when Cisco radios down to Odo for for the chopper, he, uh, he has some radio code for that, 7-1-GREEN, yeah. uh-huh. which means... Yeah, get him the chopper, but have you and a couple more security people be waiting for him on it. I love when
1: Odo shows up. He's like, I don't necessarily have a problem with you uh, holding ops at gunpoint, but I really don't <laughs> like how you've wrapped your arm around Kira. <laughs> That's one thing I can't forgive. <laughs> yeah. So we get a long walk with Kira and Vagrant where, uh where she attempts to... Glean some information out of him
0: yeah they're not going to take the elevator because uh he doesn't trust it i mean he says that they could just turn off the turbo lift and they'd be trapped inside i always wonder about what a transporter could do in a situation like this yeah yeah is because like you never see somebody like hugging somebody that gets transported away it seems like maybe the transporter like i mean you get you see two people get transported that close but never one but not the other so you wonder if like the the annular confinement beam would be incapable of distinguishing at that close proximity between two two bodies or something
1: yeah you gotta you gotta believe that your hand's gonna feel a little melty (laughs) if you attempted to do it that way describe the disorder transporter psychosis
0: the long walk is a great opportunity for them to get to know each other a little bit and um, get some steps in. Yeah, and uh, and for Braille to sort of get his bearings, he is not totally sure that he has arrived in uh, in Prime Universe. So he he needs to ply Kira for a little bit of information. You're not with the Alliance,
1: are you? They get to climb 57 stories on a ladder to get to the landing pad. I
0: wondered if it was down or up, because oh, do they? Do, does it show?
1: Well, here's the thing, like we know Ops is in the hub part of the station and when we cut to the exterior again and the runabout, we're we're on an upper docking pylon, so I just assumed uh, it was up.
0: Wow. Shit. That's a that's exhausting.
1: I don't think it makes it any easier at that number. Like fifty seven stories in either direction I think is, yeah. is gonna make you sore. I-
0: do you think you could climb 57 stories on a ladder? Like if if right now somebody brought a 57-story ladder? No uh, question. Do you think you could get up it? Yeah. Wow.
1: No doubt. I don't think I could. I think you could too. And the reason I say that is because I think at a certain height, uh, your endorphins would be flooding into your bloodstream. You'd be so high and scared. Like I think... I think I think your body would act differently than it normally would. It wouldn't feel like just a stair climber in a gym situation.
0: I think you underestimate how sleepy I am, Adam
1: well, I mean, I can certainly hear it <laughs> <laughs> Go, Decatur. 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 Go, Decatur. so this is a a bit that Kira's done because by the time they get outside the doorway to the runabout, Kira. Has known the entire time that uh, that his gun is out of bullets.
0: Yeah, she spotted that uh, something something was
1: cracked on his uh, on his phaser. You're not going to kill anyone not with that disruptor. Power cell's cracked. And and now is as good a time as any to do some Kirk foo on him. So <laughs> she drops that axe handle on him and uh, brings him to the ground.
0: Yeah, and then uh, Odo rushes out, and they, they spirit
1: him away to
0: the jail cells, which he's very uh, impressed with. This is like a five-star jail cell as far as he's concerned. He's been in a mall. What do you think are the, like, legal protections for an MU who comes into the prime universe? Does he have the right to remain silent? Does he have the right to an attorney? Or as a universal interloper, is he, is, does he waive those rights
1: i think it's like anytime you travel to a foreign country you're subject to the laws of the land
0: hmm. but uh, but if he like called the mirror universe state department uh the mirror universe uh embassy to deep space nine maybe they could like pull some strings and get him out
1: that would be great they should set up an embassy there <laughs>
0: that would be awesome <laughs> why hasn't diplomatic ties been established between the mirror universe and the prime universe
1: <laughs> so i guess they have padded uh, vagrant Barail down because kira is fondling the multi-dimensional transporter device that she lifted off of him yeah and uh and vagrant Barail asks about his prime universe counterpart in this scene he's interested in knowing what that person was like and uh it's a question that that just puts Kira to sleep almost immediately.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she just collapses on the floor, and uh, that's the end of the episode. Yeah. That prop, the, the multidimensional transporter device, looked like a, a Star Wars prop to me.
1: Yeah, it really did. And it's the red light, right? It's the yeah. It's the dark metal and the red light, I think, that does it for me.
0: Yeah. It's very rare that you see something in Star Trek that looks like it's from a different sci-fi franchise, but that, uh, that really did.
1: Berail asks for Kira to destroy this thing, so he has to stay. That's how much he likes his jail cell.
0: Yeah. That's uh, that's not what Kira's going to do, though. So she goes up and uh, talks to uh, to Ben Sisko, and they have a conversation about what it's like to reconnect with a dead flame but the evil version. I know what you're going through, Major.
1: Yeah, he knows exactly what that's like. He's got some. He's got some advice uh,
0: for it. It's, I mean, I really liked this scene. This is this is the kind of scene I always want in an episode like this, where the characters talk about how weird it is and how it like fucks with your psyche to talk to somebody that looks exactly like the the person you loved, but that isn't actually them.
1: We want these conversations all the time, like characters who have been through similar situations to to share their stories. And that's why O'Brien... I am Chief Miles Edward O'Brien. This is fucking spectacular. ...talks to Vagrant Pryle in the jail cell. O'Brien famously being someone who spent a lot of time in prison.
0: <laughs> yeah. It's a... Uh... It it's not the jail I hate, it's the man that it made me that I hate.
1: <laughs> it's the fact that I now have to wear this giant fluffy beard for the rest of my life.
0: <laughs> yeah, Cisco knows how much trouble the mirror universe could get you into sexually. Right. So, so uh so he has uh, some advice of caution for Kira.
1: Yeah, he he uh pushes across his desk the Mirror Universe brand condoms <laughs> <laughs>
0: guaranteed to get you pregnant
1: yeah <laughs> we sort of elliptically cut back to the promenade where Peril is a free man we yeah. we understand that this conversation didn't do a whole lot in convincing Kira to use the caution that Cisco is prescribing here
0: yeah well and she didn't press charges she's yeah. uh, she's she's the a grieved victim of the alleged crime and since she hasn't pressed charges he's been he's been let out and he cleans up a little bit but not that much you know
1: i feel like uh vagrant burail wears a far deeper v than vedic burail is that the case
0: yeah vagrant burail is showing showing some cleavage off yeah in a big way
1: i one time bought a t-shirt that was too deep of a v like this and i i just found it unwearable you sometimes, <laughs> you sometimes ever buy an accidentally too deep V? I
0: think, um, there was, there was a time when I had some, some very deep V's and, uh, you know, like Brooklyn gets so hot in the summers that sometimes you just, you're just like, I, I don't care. I need to be wearing less. Uh-huh. You know?
1: Take that V all the way down.
0: Take it all the way to the, to the floor, baby. <laughs> but, uh. <laughs>
1: Just make that V a, a cardigan T-shirt. Yeah, <laughs> and I will only button the bottom button. Yeah,
0: um, yeah, but uh, I don't know. I it's not like it's not like a look that I put on to impress anybody. I'll say that you you really I don't, need... don't I don't have the ch- I don't have the chest that Vagrant Barile has. You know, I
1: was just gonna say you need you need the right body for a V like that, and I don't have that.
0: Yeah, I've just, I've got a chest full of nubbins. I don't. I don't want people looking at that.
1: Vagrant Burrell is getting all kinds of looks. The looks that a celebrity gets when they walk out in public. That's because he is kind of a celebrity. Uh, Vedic Burrell was was a a famous person. Yeah, he almost became the Kai. Yeah, and so uh, it's a fun bit of business seeing these compositions where he's out in public and seeing all the background actors react to him.
0: It's people seeing the uh, the guy they wish had been elected president walking around. I'm like, oh, God, at a time like this, it be really nice. <laughs>
1: it's a fun bit of business here because Vagrant Barile is not a religious person whatsoever, and he's getting the credit for being one.
0: He doesn't seem to really even know that much about the Bajoran religion, and I think like later in the episode it becomes clear that he maybe knows a little bit more than he's letting on, but it seems like the implication here is that the Bajoran religion essentially does not exist on uh, the other side of the coin. The, the, the mirror universe doesn't have any analogous faith tradition on Bajor, and so he kind of Goes into this as a total ignoramus, and and Kira wants to invite him into services at the temple. Uh, He initially declines, but then finds uh, finds his way in there. And this is actually, I think, our first trip to Bajoran Church.
1: I think it is, because I was shocked to see that it was a galley-style temple.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it kind of got the dimensions of one of those, like one of those strip mall chapels that you Uh see (laughs) in like parts of the south
1: uh very very tiny little room we're refinishing the floors of this galley style temple (laughs) (laughs) when you're not working with a lot of width you want to be sure to align the boards lengthwise (laughs) you make the space look much larger than it is really
0: we're drawing the eye toward the centerpiece at the end of the room, which is that Bajoran shape that you see everywhere, it seems to both be the symbol of their religion and their com badge.
1: God, you know, Rich Trithui would be in there like trying to do Bajoran religion during his time on the show, <laughs> like in the in the greatest way. Like I love like the part that makes his visit to the the Motown Museum almost an equal. Po- Proportion horrifying and fun is that he's so game for it. Yeah, and and you know he'd be totally game for Bajoran religion.
0: Right. Yeah. He's like he's going going to bring that same level of boomer enthusiasm to <laughs> anything he gets involved with.
1: <laughs> I love him so much. <laughs> yeah, but this is scary, right? Like what what Vagrant Barrayel does here is that uh, there was a person sitting next to Kira, and then he he either. Like, he taps them out, or it's yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of like that...
0: a, can I cut in at a uh, USO dance kind of deal.
1: Come on, buddy. Give the Navy a dance. That part gave me the
0: cringes. Yeah. I feel like they could have just had him, had there be a spare seat next to her
1: that he could have come in and sat in. I mean, the time to switch seats is probably uh, during the uh, peace of the world part of the ceremony, you know? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. You peace do... be with you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you can just, you can just cutzel up next to her at that point. Is this a LeVar Burton directed episode? It is. Yeah. I wonder what, I wonder what motivated that choice. Cause
0: it's just a, like, what's the blocking of this scene going to be? What are we going to have the extras doing? Kind
1: of decision. Yeah. I think he is in the regular well of, of directors on this show. I'm not saying, why did they decide to have him
0: direct this? I'm saying, why did he decide, or why did anyone decide to have an extra in that seat?
1: Yeah, that is a great question. It's an unanswerable question. Because
0: it's like, it's a moment that we both noticed. It it bumped us like, wow, weird (laughs) that somebody would be made to move in a, you know, in the middle of a religious ceremony.
1: Total bullshit, man. It's just bullshit. And where did they go? Yeah.
0: (laughs) They were just asked to leave. Sorry, this guy's more important. He's got lines. You don't.
1: Yeah. You know what's interesting is that all of the Bajoran react shots that we see outside the temple are less so within that temple.
0: Right. Yeah. And
1: that would be a great reason for this person to have moved, right? Like, oh shit, that's Vedic Barailh?
0: Yeah, I, I, just be like if a McElroy, like, not that this would ever happen, but if a McElroy came into the audience of one of our live shows, like, people would be, you know, distracted, I think.
1: People would take the microphones from the stage and put them in <laughs> front of whoever that McElroy was.
0: Yeah, yeah, and rightly so, I think. <laughs> he He's very curious to know, what's in the box? Because they bring in uh, one of the orb cases, and uh, she explains to him. What, uh, what the orbs are and what they mean to the Bajoran people. Yeah. This will become important later.
1: Kira is kind of the religious Sherpa to, <laughs> to Vigar yeah. Barile throughout the episode. <laughs> because, yeah. Because uh, after the ceremony, they kind of post-game it in the hallway. And, yeah, uh, it's, it's a lot like
0: taking somebody to like a sporting event that they've never seen that sport before. Like, oh yeah, so this is the batter. He's going to try and hit the ball and then he's going to see if he can get to first, second, third. You know, like she's... Right. she's, she's She's both giving him like the play by play of how it works, but also like the top level, like, oh yeah, this team is trying to go,
1: go here. It's very difficult to explain the infield orb rule.
0: Mr. Bucket, I have to
1: revert to Kira is answering a bunch of questions posed by vagrant Beryl, but Beryl also answers a question that Kira has had for a long time, and that question is, who should Kira invite to this dinner at the Worf Dax residence? Do you like Klingon food?
0: They're serving Klingon food, and that's like a smash cut to this hang, which Beryl, Dax, and Kira are having a great time at, and Worf is having a terrible time at.
1: There's something in Worf's attitude here that is very familiar to me, as as a semi-frequent let's have dinner with uh, her work friends (laughs) (laughs) social arrangement yeah but but as the scene plays out what you understand is it's not that Worf is upset that vagrant Beryal is at his dinner table it's the story he's telling of stealing a mechleth from a Klingon warrior that he doesn't believe
0: it's sort of insulting Worf's sense of Pride as a Klingon, right?
1: <laughs> That's one hell of a story.
0: And that is all it is—a story. And Vagrant Breyel is not uh, really at pains to put Worf at ease because the whole thing is about stealing a mechleth from a from a Klingon, which Worf rejects categorically as a thing that would even be possible. And then Vagrant Breyel really fucking drags him by stealing Worf's own mechleth to cut the dessert cake. He does
1: close-up magic. Oh, my God, this is crazy. You're David Wayne. (laughs) During dessert. Pulls it out of Worf's ear. (laughs) And Worf just starts running. Like, he just runs out of the room. (laughs) It's great. Yeah. I love how he slices through that... uh, What is that? A flan? Kind
0: of a gelatinous... Yeah, maybe a a creme caramel. Yeah. But with red food coloring in it.
1: That looked good. It
0: looked okay. I'm, I'm partial to a uh, creme brulee personally yeah. I want the I want that crunchy texture
1: I mean that could have been a, a crumb crust at the bottom oh
0: that's an interesting idea
1: but uh, you know that blades gonna have to be sharp to cut through that crumb
0: oh yeah yeah it's gonna be like uh, like sushi knife sharp right right Worf, Worf keeps his blade you know in good shape this is how
1: you earn Worf's respect though no, because i think there's a begrudging kind of well all right then kind of, <laughs> kind of vibe to Worf,
0: uh, yeah, during the dessert course get the fuck out of my house but also game recognize game
1: yeah <laughs> how does the saying go my game will recognize your game <laughs>
0: <laughs> did you see that uh warf had his champion standing batleth trophy up on the wall i love it that's where it belongs yeah very proud of Worf. I was triumphant.
1: On the walk home, Kira and Vagrant Barile talk about what a gift having good friends is, and then uh, <laughs> the conversation goes super sad when Vagrant Burail, uh takes it in a must be nice kind of direction conversationally. Yeah, this
0: yeah. <laughs> is uh, one of those pitfalls where you uh, <laughs> you you realize that you're just like salting the wound of the person you're talking to right. accidentally.
1: Kira's like, boy, I sure do like friends. They're the mm-hmm. best. <laughs> Somehow
0: this doesn't ruin Kira's chances with Vagrant Beryl, though, because uh, she invites him in for Ractagino, and uh, anyone who's watched Seinfeld knows, Ractagino is not Ractagino. Ractagino is sex.
1: It's very true, and we get to see it. I mean, not, yeah. not it, but we get to see the prelude to it. He doesn't take <sighs> it out. Right, because uh, inside Kira's apartment, vagrant Barile has regaled Kira with the, <laughs> with like, what is pretty awful pillow talk, to be honest. <laughs> uh, the story of a woman he knew who got killed at a bar that they were at by a drunken Cardassian <laughs> with a disruptor, and it's a story that, <laughs> it's a story that absolutely floods Kira's basement for some reason.
0: Yeah, who who knew, <laughs> who knew this was the path to her heart. Yeah, it really does the trick because we- I have some grim and terrifying tales as well. (laughs) If I had
1: only known.
0: (laughs) Are are you saying that being a huge bummer is the way to get Kara to sleep with you? If so, what have I been doing the last six six seasons but being a huge bummer?
1: (laughs) Yeah, we get that fun gauzy fade to the next morning. Yeah, And it's hard to tell if Vagrant Parail is wearing his V-neck or not because his, v- his V-neck his V was so big before. <laughs> he does look like he's shirtless here, though.
0: Yeah. He's eating some alvas, uh, some type of nut from Bajor. Um, is
1: Prime Universe food less filling? That seems to be the, the context we're getting here. Maybe less filling, but also tastier. He
0: says that uh, nothing nothing in the MU tastes as good as this stuff. And uh, you have to, you have to think like he's probably been fed like kelpian gills and stuff. He's probably had to eat some pretty nasty stuff.
1: Yeah, that's true. But uh, also, Kira's gonna make you work. I bet. Yeah. Working up an appetite.
0: Yeah, I was just wishing he would do like a bit like uh, these are good, Alvis, But it, what do you know about D's Alvis? <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I would like him a lot more if he had done that. If he was funny, you
0: know? <laughs> that would also be opposite of, of Prime Universe Burial, it, so
1: they could have done it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know what? Vagrant Burial does have some self-awareness in this scene because he pivots. He's, he's like not a great... He's that guy that talks about the thing you're not supposed to talk about at the time that he's talking about it. Because in the morning after, he decides is when he's going to ask about how weird it must be for Kira to have lost her boyfriend and then be fucking that boyfriend (laughs) at this moment. This must be very strange for
0: you. No misstep is not taken, and yet she is totally enraptured with him.
1: You know, at least Vagrant Berile is trying some things. Yeah. You know, Vedic Baral would never even begin a conversation with anyone.
0: Yeah, he's just doing a Sudoku off Uh in the corner. Uh Uh-huh. Later that morning, Bashir arrives in Ops to find out whether Kira got fucked or not. Mm -hmm. Thought I might stretch my legs,
1: see what was happening in Ops. Kira hasn't shown up yet.
0: (laughs) Uh, it's it's uh, like he brings a pad of, uh, of information up that he could very easily have emailed and everybody calls him on it.
1: Uh, he's wearing a bandolier of speculums uh, to ops. <laughs> yeah. The, uh... Uh, oh, this? I, I just wear it uh, just in case.
0: In case anyone's vagina needs to be examined.
1: Julian, Kira's personal life is her own.
0: I'll also need a urine sample.
1: He's like wheeling a squeaky exam table with like stirrup sticking at the end of it, <laughs> <laughs> like banging it into the walls and like <laughs> trying to get it out of the out of the elevator. Yeah, uh, she, I, ha- I had to use the service elevator.
0: Yeah, she's perfectly happy to let everybody know that it went down last night. Yeah, and uh, they're all happy to hear it. She, they're they're happy for her.
1: Wharf appears to have won a gentleman's bet. <laughs> yeah. You think Worf could have smelled it? Like we know that about Klingons, right? Really hypersensitive sense of smell.
0: Oh, he can smell when somebody's gotten busy.
1: Yeah, I bet. Damn, I bet he could. What are you doing? What what are you doing? What are you doing now? So Kira and Barail have plans for date number two and seems a little soon to make date number two orb experience. I like to save orb experience for like the fifth or sixth date when yeah. you know the person extra well and you have time to like wash your orb
0: yeah. really well. You know that they're not gonna say anything embarrassing to your orb.
1: Right. <laughs> yeah. They aren't gonna they're gonna have any Awkward observations about it, or yeah, yeah, it's, it's asymmetry. Orbs sort of have a flared
0: base and a flared top, don't they? Yeah, yeah. The thing to do
1: after your orb experience is uh, get a piece of pie and talk about the orb. <laughs> you like to get pie, after you say, it? Yeah, in the in the basement of the Bajoran Temple, there's always a little bit of a potluck. <laughs> a little, uh, just hang out and talk about the ceremony he's very perplexed by what he's experienced and
0: uh, he wants to unpack it with Kira and it's a uh, it's kind of she's kind of morpheus as him right like what yeah. was said was for you and you, you alone like don't try and explain it or or understand it fully like it's going to it's going to take time to process
1: yeah this is the only time in the episode where vagrant beryl has lost his appetite <laughs> <laughs>
0: He, he takes this one moment to stop shoving food in his in his maw.
1: Yeah. So Vagrant Burail goes back to his quarters and relaxes in the Ikea chair that everyone had in the late 90s. <laughs> and in walks Mirror Universe Kira from around the corner.
0: Yeah. Catsuit Kira. Darth Kira. Is here. They did not detect her beaming in whenever she did that. Nope. But yeah, they are in cahoots, and their scheme is to steal the orb. Yeah, and the scheme is going well, the right scheme, on schedule.
1: The scheme does go well, Enterprise. <laughs> <laughs> she starts
0: uh, laying some smooches on him, and he kind of pulls the "I have a headache" mm-hmm. thing. Like, uh, yeah, let's uh, let's save that for for another time. Uh, I kind of was up all night doing that with other you. But yeah, we're gonna get this orb. It's gonna go great.
1: Yeah, I mean, if, if she smelled Barile's dick, then, like, he's not going to be in trouble, right? <laughs>
0: right, yeah. It smells exactly like she would hope it would smell. <laughs> Let's have a smell, all right. Oh, everyone likes their own brand, don't they? This is magic.
1: There's this weird tension of, like, Mirror Universe Kira is a little bit hot about the idea of, of Vagrant Barile banging Prime Kira, but also, like, it's accusatory but but encouragingly accusatory mm-hmm. and vagrant barail is, is not wanting to fucking tell yeah i i think uh, this is
0: for all the sins of this episode it, it is a it is just a fun showcase for Nana visitor to do a lot of different shit and yeah. Yeah. she has a ton of fun with it
1: she's great she's great at this and later on especially there's a lot to talk about in terms of her performance
0: I mean, this, this scene is, is bonkers because she goes back and forth between like wanting to fuck him, hugging him, kissing him, trying to punch him, Yeah, uh, villain monologuing to him. It's amazing.
1: <laughs> this plan also makes a lot of sense in a give me an evil plan that you could describe in its entirety in one sentence. And the idea of stealing a prime universe or bringing it back to the mirror universe and then becoming a deity for it makes a ton of sense.
0: Yeah, he's going to become the leader of a Bajoran jihad, and yeah. the orb is going to give him the kind of credibility to do it, and she's going to be the power behind the throne, as it were.
1: If he's able to successfully bring it back over there, he'd become the Beral. <laughs> <laughs> he,
0: he would indeed.
1: Beral does that thing that Damar used to do, which is uh, when he's really turning a thing around in his head. He goes straight to Quark's and gets yeah. hammered in his almost silent bar. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, the, uh, there are a lot of Bajorans uh, hanging around in Quark's and there are some, some dropped jaws at the presence of this guy. And uh, he just put on a, a real act drunk here. Like, he is, he is really shithouse.
1: Someone needs to put a slip into the jukebox or something. It is just oh. extremely awkward. <laughs> Quark proposes a kind of Santa Claus in the shopping mall money making scheme to Mirror Universe Barile. In a, you know, if you just wander around the promenade taking pictures with people, uh, we could we make a, clean up around here, make a little bit of scratch.
0: Yeah, but and, the pitch uh,
1: does not go well because much like uh,
0: don't bullshit a bullshitter. Mirror Universe Beryl is like, don't evil scheme an, an, an MU. Yeah. <laughs> My evil scheme is much eviler and grander of scale.
1: Yeah, Vigrip Beryl kind of goes conversational O'Brien here in that he doesn't like how Quark or his plan makes him feel about himself.
0: Yeah, the pitch falls on deaf ears. And uh, I don't know, like, like the utility of Quark in this scene was, was pretty well, well executed, I thought
1: in the cargo bay uh quark it seems has gone directly from the bar to the cargo bay where kira is yeah and uh and chats her up about vagrant barile. he shares some unsolicited advice with her uh based on his experience as a bartender that their relationship isn't gonna be all grapes and fucking it's It's going to be awkward in parts, and he knows this because of his years of experience observing people. He's a little different, isn't he? And what's going on here seems pretty
0: pervy, doesn't it? He's a keen observer of the human-slash-Bajoran condition. Yeah.
1: (laughs) I thought this was a solid. Yeah. Like, Quark can see this train wreck coming.
0: Yeah. The uh, going back over memory lane with uh, Vedic Braille and Chakar as previous boyfriends mm-hmm. was also fun because Quark like really nails how boring they were. They lacked fire, excitement.
1: I love that, but you know what's missing from this scene is that Kira fucking hates Quark.
0: Yeah the revulsion seems to have been set aside for this moment
1: right i think this is an example of how vulnerable kira is because yeah. i think ordinarily she wouldn't give quark the time of day here but this this vagrant burial has made her feel a way that allows yeah. it in a way that it ordinarily wouldn't happen
0: uh, also like the the recent dominion slash cardassian occupation has got to have has got to have been very traumatic for her and that Temptation of just getting back into a comfortable rhythm with somebody who passed away has got to be really powerful for a character like Kira.
1: Her best friend's getting married. Yeah. Everyone's pairing off, and she's not.
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> she's really the the Kristen Wig to Dax's Maya Rudolph. Yeah,
1: <laughs> that's exactly
0: it. That's what's going on here. More. We cut to Barail's quarters where uh, MU Kira has switched into uh, prime Kira costume. We know that this is her because she's still got the tiara in her hand and she, she tosses that aside. But from here on in, they're going to be indistinguishable from each other. Must have been your lifelong ambition.
1: This was the scene built to showcase Nana Visitor's acting skill, right? Yeah. Like by putting her in the same costuming and then just tweaking the performance a little bit. I think this has got to be an actor's one of an actor's greatest challenges right Like acting just a little bit different from normal feels a lot like act drunk
0: right I found myself wondering watching this episode does because we talk about like how virtuosic she is a lot mm-hmm. is she the kind of person that gets this script and is really excited for all the fun and games her character? Her various characters will go through or is she like a worker and like, you know, like goes like, oh man, like I'm gonna have to do a lot in this episode. This is like a lot has landed on my plate this week at the office.
1: Kind I of. hope we get to ask her that someday. Yeah. I'd really yeah. like to, uh, to figure that out. I want to chop that up with her.
0: That would be really cool.
1: We are... Seven minutes from the end of the episode at this point, Ben, which is <laughs> bonkers, because now is the point where we see the plan go into motion finally. Beryl enters the temple, and he hits some buttons, and uh, Mirror Universe Kira gets stopped by a guard outside the cargo bay. She is challenged to give up the authorization code that all people have to use since the Dominion War, and this answers the questions we've we've had for a long time, which is, how people are freely able to wander the station without getting checked to see if they're a gold or not. And right. it turns out it's a verbal check. Yeah. It's, it's like in-person 1Password. Yeah,
0: and she says, I forgot how the code goes, uh-huh. but she's uh, also experiencing some uh, some discomfort in her shoulders. She's uh, she's uh, sustained an injury in the hollow suite, so she asked this guard for a shoulder massage, which... Uh, <laughs> He is not canny enough to realize would be a, a big uh, a big problem with the uh, Bajoran Resources Department. Uh-huh. So <laughs> he he starts providing this massage and uh, and she uh, elbows him in the belly and then knocks him in the noggin, knocks him out.
1: This guy Scott Strozier is the actor who plays this guard and uh, the, the Scott Strozier. I know. I I hesitated to even say the name, knowing that this would lead us down a, a tangent, but. <laughs> Uh this guy is is like one of those guys that has a dozen Star Trek credits. He's just he's in a lot wow. of episodes. He played a security officer in Star Trek First Contact. Yeah. Also. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Really great. He's Fun. he's just uh if you need a shirtless guy in your Star Trek episode, look no further than Scott Strozier. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so she starts getting the transporter ready for the transdimensional transport. Brielle cracks the security field on the box that the orb is in, uh, but then real uh, Prime Universe Kira uh, catches him. She's uh, she's played a hunch, has has gone to the temple, and uh, she catches him red-handed with that box. And boy, I thought the instant this happened, I was like, "Oh man!" Like she anticipated this somehow. There's going to be a dummy orb in that in that jambi mm-hmm. box, mm-hmm. like. This is, they're going to let them get away with nothing. Yeah. And that's going to be, that's going to be the game. And that is not the game.
1: (laughs) No, the, the actual game is far lamer than that.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Cause Miracura shows up. It's the uh, Kirk fight on Roropente. Yep. I can't believe I kissed you. Mirakira has the has the transporter device with her, and it's kind of the uh, it, it's like um it's like the bomb trigger that Dennis Hopper has at the end of Speed, where <laughs> she can she can trigger it at any time.
1: Yeah, little bit of a dead man switch, maybe.
0: Yeah, and yeah, they're gonna they're gonna take their orb and go, but Kira appeals to. Vagrant Beryl's morality here... You
1: can't let her have the orb, it's too dangerous.
0: And it seems that the experience he had with the orb actually changed him in some way.
1: <laughs> I, Oh, man, I really wish this worked for me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you wish you had that much uh, faith in in, uh, in humanity? In pejorinity?
1: No, <laughs> I, I wish this moment worked for me, because while I really appreciate that kira gets to good guy monologue him we get an entire episode of him just kind of tormented by what he's doing but we don't really get like like we see him thinking about it but we don't really see him going through the trauma of it like Mm. he never describes what the orb shows him and so we're left to assume that maybe that's the reason why he's got second thoughts and we see him just sort of sadly drinking in Quark's bar thinking about it. Like, we see all of these moments of him where we we're made to believe in retrospect that maybe he's developing the sort of doubts that come together in this scene. But I don't know if any of those separate scenes are enough to add up to what we're supposed to believe is, yeah. is what's going on here.
0: I feel like if we hadn't had the B storyline of the dinner party, we might have had more time to get under his skin. Cuz like you're right, like the structure of the episode is really weird. Like when 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 the heist is put in motion, we have almost no time left. Yeah. I think he shoots Mirakira at like the 42 minute mark in a 44 minute episode. Yeah. <laughs> and then they have to post-game that a little bit and he talks about how much fucking trouble he's gonna be in when he and she beam back to the mirror universe empty-handed but and he's like it's for the best and it's like is it for you like why don't you stay here or not beam back with her or
1: it's not that it's unmotivated it's it's not motivated by what we've seen during the show like Vagrant Burrell talks about what he saw in the orb as being, like, him and Kira with a real life and a family, and that being that being the final straw, like, as sort of a, a tease of a thing that he can never have. But that's not true. That's not true as long as he's in this universe. Right. That's not true based on everything we saw in the episode up until then.
0: He says that... Eventually I'd find some way to ruin it. Which is something we will have to take his word for and I wish we didn't
1: I mean the primary way that he ruined his plan is by going back to the mirror universe without the orb yeah why did he do that I don't know hey you want to know how you get a slap on the wrist instead of like 20 years in an agonizer booth (laughs) bring the orb back with you vigorous yeah
0: yeah or or bring a dummy orb and be like fuck they tricked us
1: yeah Yeah. Vagrant Baral is kind of (laughs) dumb.
0: Well, maybe that's why he's a vagrant, Adam. Do you ever consider that? You really want to do this here, now, okay,
1: okay, let's do it, do it! Did you consider whether or not you liked the episode? I did. I think that, uh, to your point, that this was
0: kind of a nice nice light episode uh, relative to some of the other recent episodes, but also despite its flaws way better than the average turkey in season 1 or 2 for mm-hmm. example um you know i think uh, i think i'll take an excuse to get kira you know doing all of this fun stuff and uh i think for that reason on balance i do kind of like the episode
1: look i i agree with you about giving Nana Visitor, a centerpiece app to do her thing. But it feels like when it's mirror universe action, it's cheap heat for her. In a way that, like I might have preferred a scene that fully developed what happened between her and Odo from the last episode. Yeah. To chop it up. Right. But but this does not dispute any of the other things you mentioned about this app being like fun and light and consequence free, which yeah. ultimately it is
0: it feels like it's such an interesting thing when you have a six or seven episode arc at the beginning of the season to then run back to the safe territory of bottle episodes as a writer's room
1: no um, yeah yeah yeah
0: it's like it it it's like their instincts are all still serial and uh and they haven't broken out of that yet
1: I am totally down for something light and inconsequential as like show to show and i i realized that i might have been unusually hard on this episode but i think the the one place that i'm the least forgiving about this show and when i watch tv and movies is when a character acts against their own stated motivations especially in close proximity to those motivations being stated you know moments ago or an episode or two ago and what do we have here but kira doing the very thing she got angry at odo about when he was enthralled with the change leader right she goes and she falls for someone and and does not have her guard up in the way that she should even though cisco tells her to keep her guard up even though she saw what happened to odo when he let his guard down it's a convenient amnesia that makes it hard to enjoy a lighter show like this one is maybe meant to be enjoyed right
0: well put Do you want to see if we have any Priority One messages?
1: Yeah, we got to do that. That's one thing we never forget about. Priority One message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Need a
0: supplemental income. Supplemental income? Supplemental. Supplemental.
1: Supplemental.
0: Yeah, it's extra. By the interest alone, could be enough to buy this ship. Adam, we have a couple of P1s here. The first one is of a promotional nature. It goes like this. Do you like Sherlock Holmes? Come join two friends of DeSoto as they read through and discuss the entire Holmes canon on The Final Podblum, (laughs) the book club podcast that's as fun to listen to as it is difficult to say. Hear the origins of Britain's first cheetah prime minister, how Sherlock predicted Star Trek, and what on earth Garadeb is in this weekly dive into the only thing people have to pass the time before the holidays find the final podblum in your podcatcher of choice and on twitter at the final podblum and it's like a problem but if you spelled it with pod instead of pra the game is afoot all our buddies
1: it's great about naming your show something like this is that you know the website the twitter handle everything's <laughs> everything's available no, yeah, one, yeah. no one's taken this
0: Nobody is nobody is gonna be uh, using your hashtags in a way that uh, you disapprove of.
1: <laughs> that sounds like a ton of fun. Yeah, the that final does sound fun. Pod, it's god, it's it is they're right, it's so much more fun to listen to than it is to say podblum. <laughs> podblum. Uh, yeah, gotta check that out. Ben, our second priority one message is of a personal nature. It is from Blondie and Marbles, it is for Wixter, and the message goes like this, Wixter, Malor plus Gamaldansk equals, you are the drunkest Shimoda. Wow. Good, good luck in Milan. And then in parentheses it says, Whales, Space Whales, Space Whales. <laughs> May you successfully run a marathon without your nipples bleeding or any visits to Six Bay. On, on, Blondie and Marbles. Wow. Wow, good luck in Milan, indeed, Wickster. Yeah, the,
0: uh, the north of Italy is, uh, that, that can't be, that, that marathon can't still be on, can it?
1: I uh, I have my doubts about yeah. that.
0: Well, either way, our best to Wixter, And uh, thanks to Blondie and Marbles and uh, the final Podblum for getting Priority 1 messages. If you'd like to get a P1... Head to org slash Jumbotron. It's 100 bucks for a personal message and 200 for a commercial message. And we really appreciate it because it is uh, one of the ways we keep the lights on around here.
1: A good time so often has a downside, doesn't it? Especially when it comes to stuff that you put in your birdie. We've all been hungover before. I mean, many of us have, I guess. Or we've had too much jazz in our gummy. And that sucks, right? Because you don't think about the time after the good time that you've been trying to have a good time. That's why I like Labs so much. It's the predictability. Through painstaking trial and error, I have found my perfect dose. It's what I can depend on when I can use a little more chill, a little help getting into a creative headspace,
0: Don't make your cool, creative project captain's eyes only. Head to squarespace.com scarves for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use offer code SCARVES to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on?
1: Just one more week till Max Fun Drive.
0: <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. Adam, What's that, ben? Did you find yourself a drunk Shimoda? Adam? Drunk, drunk Shimoda!
1: Shemoda! If you scrub your show to 13 minutes and 40 seconds, you will find one of my favorite kinds of things. I really like like watching a show like this where there's a lot of background acting. The idea that you know there's been... You know, there's a there's a call time for extras. Uh-huh. You're you're directing them. You're giving them an idea of what to do, uh, and and you occasionally get foreground and background actors. Yeah. And and I love how alive a scene looks when you when you place them very specifically. <laughs> and uh, sometimes though, an extra does something physical that doesn't make a lot of sense in the context of the show. And this extra reading the mall map of the promenade with her finger <laughs> is such a choice. Like yeah. it's a choice that you're making in order to look like you're doing a thing without actually being motivated by the need to do that thing. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like, like oftentimes an extra is told to act, but not act too big. This mall map extra is being told to to consult the mall map in order to find a place to go, and they're just doing it in a way that, that serves the physicality of what that thing would, would look like, but I don't right. believe that that's what this looks like. <laughs> i
0: I, I like that uh that's a great shimoda my shimoda is one of the uh bajoran dudes at the bar when Brielle goes to taiwan on Mm -hmm. this guy in the uh in the red shirt kind of in the in the background fully just like jaw dropped staring at him for an extended (laughs) portion of the uh, beginning of this scene um yeah, d- d- this guy did not get directed to not act too big.
1: <laughs> Quark's got to kick these people out if they're not going to do any drinking. That's on I him, I think. Yeah. Well, uh, what is coming up for us on the next episode of The Greatest Generation, Ben?
0: Next episode is season six, episode nine, Statistical Probabilities. Genetically engineered savants under Bashir's supervision predict doom for the Federation. Wow. Okay, Adam. Well, I'm going to head over to gach.biz slash game where we keep the game of buttholes, the will of the prophets. And uh, currently our runabout is on square 35 directly between a Measure of a Man episode and a Canar with Damar episode. Uh, and uh, I think those are the only... It looks like... Yeah, it looks like those are the only... Uh, I think Canar with Damar is the only the only hazard ahead
1: that we could potentially hit. It makes me happy to see Philippa Louvois' face. Yeah, dude, same. A lot of great faces on this game board. You're required to learn as you play. Roll.
0: Okay, uh, I'm going to go ahead and roll this bad boy.
1: Chula! Did I win?
0: Hardly. And I have rolled a three. So next week's episode, another regular old episode.
1: There you go.
0: No canar will be consumed with Damar.
1: Fair enough. I'm
0: really looking forward to it, man. Uh, in the meantime, uh, we got to thank all of the friends of DeSoto who head to org slash join and support the show on a monthly basis, um, especially in uh, times when a lot of people are uh, having financial difficulties uh, imposed upon them. Uh, the folks that uh, that continue to support uh, are, are really greatly appreciated. And uh,
1: Boy, and, they sure uh, are. Thanks for you're, saving us until last as the yeah. as the thing to cut back on.
0: Yeah, and uh, and you're you know you're keeping this as a as a free thing that lots of people can enjoy in a in a very challenging time. So uh, we really appreciate that. We also appreciate Bill Tilly who makes comedy trading cards about every episode of the show. He uses the hashtag #GreatestGen over on Twitter, where his handle is Bill Tilly 1973. Uh, he's also got like a Tumblr. He occasionally posts those things in other places. Adam is on Twitter at Cut For Time. I'm on there at Benjamin AHR. There's um, vibrant Facebook communities and there's a, a great Reddit sub about The Greatest Generation. There is a Wikia that uh, is lovingly updated with all of the in-jokes from the show. Uh, all of that stuff is, uh, is a great is a great thing to uh, to spend an afternoon goofing off looking into
1: what we're trying and, uh, to say is as you're spending time uh distanced from others uh, you don't have to be alone
0: yeah hang out with us on the internet <laughs> it's what it's there for also got to thank our buddy adam Argusia, who made uh, a bunch of original theme music for the show uh of course he based his work off of the original picard song by dark materia and, uh, Adam Ragusia is now probably more famous than Dark Materia, even, because he has a hugely successful cooking channel on YouTube. You can check that out by just searching Adam Ragusia on YouTube.
1: Yeah, slide into his comments. Say something nice. Yeah. He's putting out two videos a week, man. He's killing it in the game. You know what? Uh, these, these, these times are great for uh, dabbling with, uh, with the cooking at home.
0: Yeah, step up your your home cooking game.
1: If you're feeling reluctant, his YouTube recipes and methods are are easy and fun. Yeah. And with that, we'll be back at you next time with another great episode of Star Trek Deep Space Nine and an episode of The Greatest Generation Deep Space Nine, which no doubt depicts the first piss club meeting (laughs) (laughs) to occur on Deep Space Nine.